I make no apology for declaring God's Word as I have sought to do it faithfully. I have continued to give you what I feel are messages that I call shadow messages. They look at the culture and what's happening and give you the undergirding, the strength you need from God's Word that will allow you to embrace the truths that are eternal that go beyond the season of life we're in, no matter the politics that are around us. I have done that on purpose. It's been a strategic effort that I have done uh, along with other pastors and many that I am acquainted with. The objective of my preaching has been to build a strong church so you would be able to, as you move through your life, be ready to make a quick witness and testimony to the people around you. The, the goal has also been that you would also be ready and prepared to meet God. I've been amazed at the number of people who have attended church who have no personal relationship with God whatsoever. So we don't ignore our culture. We don't ignore those signs and wonders around us because they're happening all the time. We are in end time. We had classes on it recently down the hall, long, several months. And we have had all kinds of other things taught and, and, and side supports that we have had along in our ministry and small groups that have been able to strengthen the church and provide hope and help for the church. But as I have preached messages and declared truths that have to do with um, everyday life, I'm thinking about the number of people that have passed away from our congregation. A year ago, we had 90 people that were either directly or indirectly affected in our congregation, some with older age, some just sudden loss of death, and others, um, you know, were sick from something that they maybe had going on. A few even died of COVID as part of that. And I would walk out and say, I have preached the last sermon for many people. What is it that God wants me to tell the people? And so I want you to know that I seek to honor God and I pray a lot over what I deliver to you as sermons. I write my own sermon. I don't just download them, I write them and read and study a lot. I have hundreds of books in my study at home and hundreds more in my study here. So I've sought to honor God. And I thank you for every prayer you pray for me. You say, Kev, what are you talking about this? I just want you to know where I'm coming from and, and where we're going with things. And as we map out the, the sequence of messages, God is helping to lead us. Today is a message that is going to be one uh, whose subject I have spoken to you from a number of times. At this stage of my career, at this stage in the life of the church, at this stage in our community and in our world, I feel like I need to give to you eternal truths. So the objective of our, of our ministry and our message is to provide for you eternal truths. This is something you can take with you. They're the foundations that you live on in your day-to-day -day interactions. They are what you will need if you are here or if the times get rough in the future and you are in a concentration camp. Okay? Just so you know, that's where I'm going with my preaching, have been and continue to, that you would have hope in the Word. And so I just want you to know that. The objective of my message today is not to dig up old stuff that has been dealt with and forgiven and out of, the, out of the way and in the past. It's not my idea to create fresh pain in your life today. I don't want to do that. But it is my hope today that God will use the words that He has drawn me to today to be able to create in your thinking 
something that will allow you to move forward in relationships where you are absolutely stuck in your life and have no clue how to, how to get out. <laughs> I want to help you with that. I believe God's going to help us today. I believe He's going to help us right now. Jesus does something that is so uncommon in His, in his ministry. It is so, so unusual in His ministry that it, that it absolutely ignites us in our thinking to where we start looking at it and say, wow, unbelievable. What is it that He does? Jesus was hanging on the cross, and the teachings He had given before that are all coming back to the teacher now to see if they really work. When my father was sick with acute myelogenous leukemia, he knew about it for about a month and died. He basically said to me, it either works now or it doesn't work, speaking of the Christian faith. And I asked him, does it work? And he said, yes, it does. He gives me peace in the storm. Jesus from the cross in his most difficult hour is now called on in his life, in his moment, to say something significant. And what would he say in that moment? Well, he has several last sayings that he would say, but here's one of them we highlight today, because this is a foundational truth. This is something that lasts all the way through any situation you have when he said, while hanging on the cross, about those that had murdered him, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He chose to offer his enemies forgiveness. Abraham Lincoln was president in a very tumultuous time in our country. And while he was a president in our country, someone said to him, Mr. Lincoln, I can't understand you. You treat your enemies with such kindness. It seems that you should want to destroy them. And Lincoln's answer was, I destroy my enemy when I make them my friend. I make them my friend. You know, a number of us here at the church go over to Turkey Hill quite frequently. It's just right over here. It's the Cherryville Mall. It's all we have. <laughs> and so we go over there every little bit. And we go over there. They said of some of our people, they said, you guys are so kind. You guys are so polite. And several families now are attending because they have seen uncommon friendliness. I went through one of the fast food places enough times they knew my voice by the sound for real. And pull up the window and a lady said to me one time, said, you're our kindest customer. I said, really? I said, yeah. We get a break when you come through. We know you're not going to gripe at us. I thought, wow, you want to be known for that. But this takes the game to a whole new level when Jesus says he's going to be able to forgive somebody. I've dealt with people over the last month straight who are dealing with issues in their life of forgiveness towards somebody else. I bet you I could, could track that for the next 12 months, Pastor Justin, Pastor Peter, Pastor Melanie, and I bet you we could all 
talk to at least a person every week, if not every month, who is dealing with some kind of a crisis of forgiveness that they're dealing with in their life. So we look in the passage read by Pastor Robert a little bit ago in Luke chapter 23, Matthew 18, or whoever read it at your campus, and we see that Jesus, what Jesus said about forgiveness, and He shows us how to move along, and I think this is always important to cover when we're heading into November and December because families come together for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and families have this to deal with for the most part. First thing I want to point out to you is this. Jesus taught forgiveness. It's in Luke chapter 6. It's in Luke 17. He would teach this. It's also in Luke chapter 11, where he echoes a pattern prayer there of Jesus, when Jesus would say, I want you to forgive those around you, even as a father forgives you. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. He taught us that we are to forgive our enemies in Luke chapter 6. And he says to us, forgiveness has no expiration. In Matthew chapter 18, Eugene Peterson puts it this way, coming down to verse 21 and 2. He said, at that point, Peter got up the nerve to ask, Master, how many times do I forgive my brother or sister who hurts me? Seven? That's a perfect number. That's a perfect number in the Scripture. Do I forgive seven? Jesus replied, seven? Hardly. Try 70 times seven. Jesus doesn't set a limit on the idea of forgiveness, yet it's okay with Jesus to set boundaries. Some people misunderstand that when you forgive somebody that you all of a sudden just take them back as if nothing had ever happened to the point that you do not set any boundaries. It's an absolute mistake because you do set some boundaries if someone is hurting you, if someone is molesting, if someone is, is abusing you, if someone is messed up in their thinking. You set some boundaries. When Jesus met up with Peter, He didn't just all of a sudden say, Peter, I forgive you. Come on in, big dog, and take him right back into the family. You know when Peter came to Jesus, Jesus talked to him three times. He denied Jesus three times. He talked to him three times about it. He said, hey, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he says, yes, yes, yes. And Jesus says, okay, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, get busy about the kingdom. That's boundaries. Jesus didn't just take him back, he, he set some boundaries. You and I in our forgiveness need to understand that there's some boundaries. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 puts it this way, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, in other words, some people may be impossible, but as far as it is with you, at least make the effort, put the olive branch out, it is saying, to live at peace with everyone, the people at work, you may not know how, you may have to learn how, you may have to go to school on them and study how to learn them. Jesus grasped the idea of uncommon forgiveness. And he modeled it through his teaching. There was someone that Pam and I knew a number of years ago, and she knew that their marriage was in trouble, and I knew they were having challenges. But I was called on to meet with them, and so I did. I met with him. And the man told me that he had been unfaithful to his wife with another man. He had repented to God, broken off the relationship, and he had now come back to his wife and said, I want you to forgive me. I said, what did she say? He said, she chose to forgive me. When I went home, I don't talk about church matters. Pam and I have a deal. I tell her, for the most part, I don't want to talk, come home and talk about work all evening. I experienced it all day. I've got to go back tomorrow. 
I don't want to hear about all your work unless there's something you really need to tell me. So we don't talk about your stuff that you talk to me about or one of these other pastors. We just don't go home talking about it. But this time she asked me, how did it go? She had an acute interest in the situation. All I said to her was, what would you have said? (laughs) All I said to her was, that lady has a good forgiver. That's all I said. Jesus taught forgiveness. Well, Jesus also modeled forgiveness. Our verse shows us that in Luke 23, 34. Jesus chose to be the bigger person. He says here, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know the impact of this. They do not know what they are doing. Uh, They felt that Jesus was corrupting society. He was wrong and he had to go. And your friends may not know that they're doing you wrong. Just this week at a protest, there was a fellow who was talking on a microphone and he was reading scripture when it was his turn to talk. There were others who hate the Bible, hate the scripture, did not want him to talk about the scriptures. He was not preaching, he was reading according to what we understand. They grabbed the Bible, they ripped it up, and some ate the Bible. So they wouldn't be able to read from it again. I don't know, they must not know that it's a top seller and it's literally all over the world. Eating his copy will do nothing overall. Your friend may not know that they are doing you wrong. Your friend at work that's looked over you for promotions and has looked past you whenever there were different things, they may not feel the same way you do. Did any of you ever watch The Sound of Music? If you did, lift your hand if you ever watched The Sound of Music. There's a few hundred of you that did. Uh, The Sound of Music. You watch that Sound of Music. You remember when they went to the abbey at the cemetery and they're getting ready, they're trying to make their escape. You remember that part, right? And you remember when Rolf is in the cemetery? He's on the other side now. He had had a crush on their oldest girl, right? And so now, here they are. He's blowing the whistle on them, literally, to try to get them outed so they'd have to go face justice. He thought he was doing right by doing this. The reality is he was doing exactly opposite what he should do. And sometimes you may face those kinds of things that happen in your life. Jesus chose a path of forgiveness. He says, Father, forgive them. In the Old Testament in Micah, is talking to us there. And there it says something very interesting, chapter 7. It says this about God. You don't nurse your anger. You don't stay angry very long. For your mercy is your specialty. I like that. Your mercy is your specialty. That's what you love most. That's what you love most. And compassion is on the way to us. You'll stamp out our wrongdoing. You'll sink our sins to the bottom of the ocean. This is what you'll do. Gary Preston wrote, and I shared with you some years back, something that I want to share with you again. I think it's very fitting. He was in Burma, and they're going across a shallow river where they would be wading, but they didn't have to swim. They could wade through it. And they finally make it across this wide river, and they make it across the other side. And they get over there, and they realize they have leeches all over them. And he says, don't pull the leeches off. Everybody wanted to pull the leeches off. Don't pull the leeches off. He said, if you pull the leeches off, part of them is going to stay down in you. The part they're holding on with will stay in you, and it'll create an infection. He said, you need, you need to be able to have a bath, a warm, balsam bath. Soak in that, and the leeches don't like it. They'll come out. They'll let go, and they'll be gone from you. You see, if you take some of these things in your life and just rip them and don't deal with them appropriately, you end up having some problems that can come back and get you later. Jesus models forgiveness. I also notice that Jesus benefited from forgiveness of others. 
Acts chapter 2 is where we would see that for the most part. To offer forgiveness seemed very wrong. They're murdering him. I don't know that if I was being murdered, if I would offer the person forgiveness, I'd probably be thinking about how to escape, how bad it hurt. I don't know. But as soon as Jesus said, Father, forgive them, you think, you think that they would say, man, what have we done? But they don't catch the moment. They don't catch the atmosphere. They don't see what they have done. They continue to trample on him. They continue to mow down the moment right here. And they started casting lots for his, for his coat. <laughs> this is absolutely crazy what they're doing. They have no good behavior at all. But Jesus does benefit from the idea of forgiveness. To offer forgiveness is to mean there could be a better day ahead. Jesus was buried. It looked like everything was finished and bad. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus would ascend back to heaven. Jesus forgave, and he had forgiven Peter, and he forgives us as we call on him. And we find the clear conscience and the load lifted from the guilty distance we have between us and God. But it's not cheap grace. It's not cheap forgiveness. When Jesus would ask Peter repeatedly, Peter's heart was absolutely crushed. He said, you know I love you. But now in Acts chapter 2, Peter, he is forgiven. And he delivers a message on Pentecost. He says, God is raised from the dead in verse 32. He says, you crucified him, verse 36. But he says, here's the answer to the situation we've all created. Verse 38, repent and be baptized in the name of Christ. He told the truth. There was accountability. He offers hope. To offer forgiveness means that we can change the future. By the time you reach verse 37 in Acts 2, the truth of Jesus starts sinking into a bunch of people. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says in verse 41 that 3,000 people came to faith in Christ. If Jesus doesn't forgive Peter and says, nope, you're a loser, I'm going to have a wall built up against you. There's no future with you. I'm not going to use you again. After all you've done to me, after looking past me, denying me, after all I have done for you, if you think I'm taking you back, you are absolutely crazy. Jesus didn't do that. Catherine Olson answered a Craigslist call and she uh, ad and she went to babysit Minnesota. She went over, but it was no babysitting situation. She went over answering that ad. It was a 20-year-old guy who was looking for somebody to be a target, and she was, and he murdered her. And I saw the interview with her parents, and her dad said words like this. In the New Testament, the word forgive means to release and to cut loose. Mike Anderson, that was a guy who murdered her, has had negative power in our lives. We're attempting to cut free and to release that and to move on in our loving lives that we want. I don't want to be held hostage by that anymore. I don't want to be held back by that anymore. I have to move on. What does forgiveness look like in your life? Let's look at a question first of all. We've got the TV right here behind me. But it's, what might forgiveness look like in your life? And then we ask the question, how do I forgive another person? How do I forgive another person? Look at that. Just check that question out just for a minute. Leave that up, please, for a little bit. There's some things that we ought to do when we're going to forgive someone else. 
The first thing that has helped me, even in the last couple of years, is I have to remember that God has given me forgiveness. And since He has chosen to give me forgiveness, I am choosing to forgive someone else. There was a moment in the last year when I had the opportunity to be ticked at someone pretty royally. And I was thinking about mulling that over in my mind and thought what had happened. And I said, no, I don't do well with grudges. I'm not good at that. I'm going to have to let that go. It's not my nature to let it go necessarily, but I'm going to have to let that go. And just like that, I was in my garage and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Kevin, think of what Jesus has done for you. <laughs> that was a wake-up call. I know my sins, where I've been, what I've done in my life. I know what he's had to forgive me for. Has he had to forgive you of something? I've had to for- ask forgiveness. Another thing that I do is I trust heavily in God. One of the things that I've done before is ask several people to pray for me. I've done this many times. I'll contact three people, top three people that I have that are my prayer partners closest to me, know my story, and I will say to them, I'm getting ready to go through something in my life. Would you pray for me that I'll come through this? Okay. I've also gone through some situations before where I've just said, God, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do. So I've called up some people older and smarter and more capable than myself And I've said to them, would you help me out? And then will you ask me how I'm doing on the other side of this? That's accountability. Not easy, is it? Not even easy at all. Offer verbal forgiveness where it is warranted. I forgive you for the thing that you have done, the way you treated me. When a friend of mine who had been part of a story I won't relay had burned me royally years ago in my life, He came to me when we were at a stadium, and when he came to me at this stadium, he said to me, Kevin, we didn't realize we hurt you, but we did. I want you to forgive us. I didn't say, oh, it didn't hurt. It did hurt. It rerouted my entire life, entire life. I said, it did hurt. That was very unsettling. It was very painful for a long time, but guess what? I forgive you. I forgive all of you. It was hard to do, but necessary to do. I forgive you for what you have done. Now, what are you going to avoid? I think this is necessary. What we avoid, I think, is really necessary. Sometimes if the offender is unaware that they have offended us, just talk to God about it. You don't need to go tell them, hey, you offended me when you did it. You don't have to do that. A Dutchism is, I feel better because I told you you made them feel worse. They had no clue they were offending you. I still remember the day when a lady pulled me aside and said, you really, you know, I really had bad feelings toward you and blah, 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 blah. I had no clue. I had no clue. I didn't have a clue about it. I thought, lady, if you hadn't pulled me aside, I'd have had no, no clue at all. Been doing a lot better without that. If the offender is going to use it maliciously or to enjoy inflicting pain and laugh at you and make fun of you, if they're mentally unstable or emotionally unstable, you will not gain the result you look for when you offer forgiveness. It won't happen. So back to boundaries. You need to set some boundaries. And you might need a counselor to help you do that. You might need a pastor to talk to and say, let's talk about that. If the offender listens to you saying, ah, 
so you forgive me, and they see that as an excuse or as a gateway to come back and give you more abuse and to manipulate you further. Just tell God about that. Don't tell that person about that. You can forgive them, get yourself in a different proximity, and move on. I've had people ask me, does forgiveness take time? As if we want to microwave forgiveness. Well, I hate to break it to you, but I'm going to. A quick forgiveness is like pulling the leeches off without dealing with what's below. You want to forgive, that's your will. That's the choice you make. I choose to forgive you. But now what happens? All right, I have chosen to forgive, so let's put that out there. The choice of mine is to forgive you. But now I have these different feelings between now and when I really land on that island of forgiveness, whatever that will look like. Here's one way I have that. Thanksgiving's coming up. Do we invite them to the family gathering or not? I don't know if I want to because it brings back now all of those feelings. Now, I've already said, God, I choose to forgive them. We may have had a conversation, but I've got these feelings. I feel like I haven't forgiven them. Let me just break it to you. You're going to have feelings that are going to come back to you along the way that are going to trouble you and bother you sometimes, and they're going to dominate your heart, your mind, your life. If you're not careful, you'll confuse the fact that you have these fresh feelings with the idea that you haven't forgiven no, you're managing your forgiveness. You're managing your forgiveness. God, I choose to forgive, but I'm managing these forgiveness. It may be a smell that brings it back. It may be a sight of the person that brings it back. It might be a geographic location, a house, a building, a room. It could be any kind of outfit. It could be any kind of perfume. It could be anything that you have in your life that triggers that. And all of a sudden, this rush, and it can ruin your day. If you have forgiven a spouse for their unfaithfulness, emotional unfaithfulness, relational unfaithfulness, literal physical unfaithfulness, uh, if you have forgiven them, you're going to have days when that's going to hit you out of the blue and it's going to hammer you. If you have someone that has fired you when you see them, it's going to bring back feelings to you. That's just what happens. We're human. We have those feelings. But I have to manage that and say, God, I chose to forgive. I'm going to manage it, and I'm going to move forward, and I'm not going to bring it up and get all historical. I'm going to deal with it, and God help me as I live with it. Sometimes the internal battles and struggles we have are overwhelming, aren't they? It was an unsettling day when I learned of Fred Winters passing. I used him as an illustration here before, but Fred Winters, here he is in his picture. This is Fred. He pastored out in the Midwest in Illinois. Fred, his wife, and their children. It was on a Sunday morning. His wife had not come to the early service, but he was there. And he used props occasionally, even as we do. And the prop this day, the people thought, was a guy in a warm day wearing a trench coat and coming up brandishing a gun. We don't use guns as props at this church. If you ever see that, you know something's off. We don't use them as props. I made a deal with everybody here. You never use a gun as a prop so you don't confuse our safety that is scattered out through the church right now in this service and etc. But you don't, you don't do that. But the church thought it was a prop. Another guy realized it wasn't a prop. The pastor realized it wasn't a prop. And he goes to address the guy who walked all the way up to the front and they landed on the floor and the guy inadvertently squeezed off around and went right through his heart, killed him. His wife comes driving up, sees all the ambulance and 
police and everybody there wondering, what in the world? And the news was broken to her, your husband has been shot. He didn't make it, he died. What do you say if you're the pastor getting up to the congregation the next Sunday? What do you say? Well, the pastor got up and did his very best. And he says, you will never forget last Sunday. That's because we're human and we have that in our mind. But we can choose to forgive. Is what he was saying last Sunday. You've listened kindly. I preached slowly today on purpose because I wanted this to soak in deeply. I want to ask two more quick questions. Can you listen to them? If you can, say yes. Real quick. We've dealt with, will I have to deal with the broken, bitter feelings again? Yes, you will. The fourth question is this. How will you know for sure when you have forgiven someone? Archibald Hart gave a definition that I have chosen to embrace, and I really like it. He said, forgiveness is surrendering my right to hurt you for hurting me. I'll leave you with this quote. I think it's helpful. Unforgiveness handcuffs you to a dark time in your past. Turn it the other way. Forgiveness opens you to new horizons and great tomorrows where you can go as Peter did and proclaim the name of Christ. Write a couple of books in the Bible. Share the good news of Christ and live free and triumphant to where you can see your error. Tell many about him. Thousands were saved. And when it came time for Peter's life to end, they said, we're going to crucify you. He said, don't hang me right side up. Hang me upside down. Because he now knew the full scope and he was willing to stand strong because Christ cared to forgive him. Lord, we don't even know how you're going to use this message today. We don't know. But I am so confident that you will. So help us not to dig up stuff that doesn't need to be brought back. Help us to adequately deal with anything that is being shown to us in our life right now that you want us to take care of. Our messages like today are not easy to preach, but they're harder to live. So I pray that you would help all of us and help me and help us to honor you in all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.